All right, all right, here we are yet again with another episode of English and Coffee. It's your wonderful host, Demion. I know, it's been too long. It's been seven days and life is just difficult without a fresh episode. So here we are with a fresh episode, a fresh cup of coffee. We're sipping on a mocha cappuccino. I know you remember mocha cappuccino from last winter. That seems to be my winter drink or a creme brulee, something like that. I just finished recording a webinar. Going to be posting that this weekend. You'll be hearing that it's on uh, people that use tutors. So if you have a tutor, that might be something you want to listen to. It's just tips on how to get prepared and make sure you have the best lesson possible. But for today's topic, we're going to go down memory lane a bit. I was listening to some David Goggins yesterday. And you know, he fires you up. He talks about some deep things. He really gets into that mindset and stay hard, you know. And I was sitting there and I started thinking about things I experienced as a child that shaped how I turned out. It kind of gave color to my perspective on the world. I wanted to share a thought or two with you, if that's okay. So let's go ahead and take the intro sip as we do. I hope you're sipping on something warm as well. And let's go. So as I said, I was listening to David Goggins, right? It's cold, so, you know, you wrap up in a blanket, you sit there, maybe you cut the heat on, maybe you don't cut the heat on. But I was sitting there wrapped up in my blanket, and I started thinking back to a time when I lived in this old brick house. It was a red brick house, big house, two-story house. My mom found this house for us just after we moved off base. Now, the interesting thing about this house is it was probably too big for just the three of us. But looking back on it, I realized that my mother did the best that she could. She picked a house that would be big enough for both my sister and I and herself to all have room, all have our own separate space, and still live in some kind of harmony. Because as you know, a male growing up with two women in the house, that's a challenge on its own. Two women in the same house, that's a challenge on its own. So when you put all three of us together, we had a situation, but we made it work. My mom did everything she could to make sure that we didn't need anything. She made sure that all of our needs were met mentally, emotionally. Socially, we had to do that on our own because we went to school, you know, so it's up to us to make friends. But from a parent's perspective, you know, as a mother, looking through her eyes, I can say that she did her share and then some. Because, as you know, it was just my sister, my mother, and I, so... The male variant or the male half of that situation kind of jumped the ship. But I remember being in the home sometimes, late winter, cold in the house. Sometimes it was so cold that you could see your own breath, especially at night. We used to use what you would call a uh, kerosene heater to warm up the front of the house. We had a fireplace, so you could throw some wood on there, light a fire as well. We had radiators, old radiators in this house that we would use at times, but when you use them, the wiring was so bad that the electric bill would shoot through the roof. So we just used kerosene heaters. We had a kerosene heater in the hallway. We had one in the front. Possibly my sister had one upstairs, but we would use these heaters to warm the house. And at night, when everybody was sleeping, my mom would cut off the heaters. So I would be in my bed, tripled down with the blankets, a mink blanket, two or three comforters, sweats on, socks on, maybe even gloves some nights. It wasn't every night, but some nights when it was really cold. And I would go to sleep, wake up, house is cold. You go, cut the heater on, brush your teeth, get ready for school. 
come back, the day has warmed up the house, maybe the heater's on, maybe it's not, but this was the norm. Now, it wasn't like this all the time, but there was a period when this was the norm. And I didn't complain. My sister didn't complain. Mom didn't complain. It was just what we had to do. We did what we needed to do to be warm, right? And it made me think. I said, experiencing that, that moment, that period, you know, learning to adapt to a situation, just accepting what life gives you and making the most out of it, not complaining, not missing a beat. We still ate all our meals. We still took all our showers. We still did what we needed to do around the house. We didn't complain, but a lot of people just sit back and complain about what they don't have, not realizing that it could always be worse. We were in a two-story house, right? A two-story house using a kerosene heater. But some people don't even have a house or a kerosene heater. So there was nothing to complain about. We had food in the fridge, Thanksgiving, Christmas dinner, sandwiches, snacks, whatever you could want. It was just cold in the house. So now as I sit here in my apartment, not in my apartment now, but as I sit in my apartment with all the amenities, central air, central heat, no kerosene heater, haven't seen a kerosene heater in years, I can think back to that time when I did use one. And I remember how it felt. So when there's a little cold, I don't jump up, run, cut the heat on like I'm going to freeze because I'm already used to it. So this not only built up my tolerance for colder temperatures, it kind of shaped my character. I don't know if you've ever gone to the fridge and maybe your favorite foods weren't there. Maybe there was no juice, it was just water. So you had to drink water with your meals. But you go to your friend's house and they're sitting there with Fanta, Sprite, Pepsi, gotta have a soda with everything they do. Even if they're just eating a piece of candy, gotta have a soda with it. Some people are spoiled like that. Not in a bad way, but just spoiled like that to where they don't know what real life is like. I think that real life is when you have just the essentials. You have a loving family. You have support from somebody that cares about you if you don't have a loving family. You have clothes on your back. You have a place to sleep. Roof over your head. Nobody's trying to kill you. Nobody's threatening you. Nobody's tipping in the room, messing with you. You just go through life experiencing it for all its glory and letting it build your character. It's only when you become older, more mature, a little more life experience under your belt that you can truly appreciate those moments. And I know if you're going through it right now, it might seem like an inconvenience. It might seem like, man, if I only had a car, if I only had this, I only had that. Here's the thing. Those things are shaping you so that when you do get those things, you could appreciate what it means. You won't be caught up in, I have to have a Lexus, a 2023 Lexus or a 2024 Escalade. Those things won't matter. You have a vehicle with four wheels. It rolls, it works, it gets you from A to B. This will help you stay away from that materialistic trap that a lot of people fall into. They have to have a name brand slapped on everything they wear. Gucci, Prada, Balenciaga, all these weird names that are, people are throwing around. You hear it in the music. They talk about cars. I was watching a little piece of this show the other day, and this girl was chewing the guy out about him having a Honda. Now, this woman didn't even have a vehicle, but she was yelling at him because he drove a Honda. She said, you don't even have any money that I could take from you. You drive a Honda. Like that was supposed to be some kind of punchline or some kind of hurtful statement. 
Yes, he has a Honda that he worked for, that he was driving you around in it. But she was too ungrateful to realize what that meant. This man's taking his hard-earned money to purchase a vehicle that can get both of them around, make sure their needs are met, and she wants to complain about it. But we're not going to get on that on that tangent, but you know what I mean. They have a lot of what you would call gold diggers in the world, not just female, but also male. You know, the woman has to be this, the man has to be that. They have to be making $100,000 a year. Do they? Well, what are you making? Right? What are you making? You don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who's making $50,000, $60,000 a year. They have to make $100,000 a year to support you. So what are you going to do for them, right? What do you bring to the table? If they're bringing $100,000 to the table, what do you bring to the table? That's the question. But that's a whole nother conversation. I probably need to get a female on here for that conversation so we have both sides of the argument. But you understand what I'm saying. You choose what you do with the opportunities that life gives you. You choose if your glass is half full or half empty. It's all a matter of perspective. Let's take another sip and let's take another break. Another interesting moment that I can remember from my childhood was when we were moving from Okinawa back to the States. And there was a brief moment in the hotel room when we didn't have our kitchen, we didn't have all of our stuff because everything was packed up and it was already on the way over. So we were in a hotel room and I was hungry. And the only thing we had was a pack of bologna and some bread. No chips, no soda, pack of bologna and some bread. And I asked for something to eat. My mom fixed me a sandwich. And I believe I said, oh, we don't have anything to put on it. <laughs> the nerve of me, the nerve of me. They're flying us halfway across the world, and I say, we don't have anything to put on this bologna sandwich, right? The nerve of me. So my dad took a uh, bottle of ketchup and put some ketchup on the sandwich, and I ate it. I hope I didn't complain. But I remember that bologna and ketchup sandwich. I remember that bologna and ketchup sandwich as I eat the steak that I eat today, as I eat the shrimp that I eat, as I eat the soup or pull up to Wendy's or Subway or whatever I want to eat, you know, paying with my own money. See, at that time, I didn't have any money. I was a child. I was reliant on my parents. My parents provided the best they could for me when they could, as they could. So there's really no reason to complain when you're a child, but your, your mind's too small to even realize what you're saying. Birthdays come up. You want the new PS5? That's probably what people are asking for now. But back then it was Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Dreamcast. That tells you a little bit about my age, but those were the things that were in. I was never one to ask for shoes. I asked for a bicycle, I asked for skates, you know, basic things. But all those things take money. A concept that children just do not grasp. You only grasp the concept when you start working. I had my first job when I was 14. At that point, I stopped asking for money. Because I myself just enjoyed the sheer fact that I could buy whatever I wanted to with my own money and nobody could tell me how to spend it. So for me, as soon as I started making money, I was up, up, up and away. I was gone. I was no longer asking my mother for money. I was no longer asking my father for money. I would just go out there and make my own. My first job was a paper route and my father drove me around to deliver the papers. So it wasn't just that I had to get up at four in the morning 
go get the papers and deliver the papers. No, my father had to get up with me, drive me around to go get the papers and go deliver the papers and then let me keep the money. Isn't that interesting? And then I still had the nerve to say, it's my money. Isn't that wild? Because you know how much gas costs now, right? What, three, four dollars a gallon? And it was my money. But see, that's a child's mind state. That's a child's mind state. No concept of money. No concept of what parents actually go through to support us. You know, looking back. No concept until we get older. That's why as you become an adult, a mature adult, you start to build your own family. You start to go out and buy things for yourself. You can't forget what your parents did, the sacrifice. Not saying you got to go back and give your whole life savings to your mother or your whole life savings to your father, but you just have to remember what they did as you do that for your own children. You know, your kid's probably sitting here now asking for something for a field trip. Mom, I need $20 to go to the museum on Saturday or to go to the museum on Friday. That $20 got to come from somewhere. Your eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid doesn't have a job, so it comes from you. Maybe that $20 is what you were going to spend to get your hair done, get your nails done, to pick up a burger on the way to work, but you can't do that now because you have to pay for your child's field trip. You shouldn't complain about it because that's an opportunity to realize and appreciate what your parents did for you. Now, I realize some people out there may say, well, my parents were never around. I was adopted. My parents didn't help me, didn't support me in any way. I had to support myself. This is true. But for those that have experienced the love and support of a parent that sacrificed what they had to provide for you, they can relate on this. And for those that didn't have that experience, the opportunity that you're giving your child now is so that they don't have to experience those same moments, those same periods of just not having anything, being lost, no friend, no support. So it's not all monetary. Whatever you provide your child with support, emotional, you sit there and listen to them talk about Meta or Facebook or AI, whatever's the topic of the moment, just do for your kids what your parents did for you or what they didn't do for you. The positive things, of course, because I know sometimes there's gloomy clouds out there. Everybody didn't have the fairy tale upbringing. Everybody didn't have the best parents in the world. I'm not even going to say that anybody has had the best parents in the world. I'm going to say that people had the best parents that they could have at that time because we can't choose our parents. We're born. We come from a man and a woman. And those two individuals just happen to be our parents. And some people fully accept that responsibility, take it to heart, and do whatever they can to make sure that child has what it needs. And some don't. We've all heard the horror stories. But hopefully none of you had to experience that. But like I said, I just wanted to take a minute, walk down memory lane, share a little personal story with you. Maybe it'll spark some thoughts in your own mind. And you can just look back on some of those things which you thought were hard times in your childhood and realize that maybe those moments helped prepare you for today. Well, that's all I have. I'm going to leave you on that note. Let's take the exit sip, and I will see you in the next one.